Warning, this podcast may contain graphic and triggering content. Please listen at your own risk. Each individual struggle is different and everyone's recovery and healing journey is different. Please reach out to a certified medical professional if you need help. Welcome to episode 34 of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Joining me to Stomp the Stigma today is Chad Kennedy. He is the founder of C2C for PTSD, and he is raising money and raising awareness for PTSD by walking across the country from C2C. This week, he stepped off for the Alberta Leg practice run on Monday, which will take about 10 days to walk across the province. So he is walking as you are listening to this. He is accepting donations to fund and support his cause if you check him out on Facebook. And he will be walking all the way from Vancouver to St. John's, Newfoundland in April of next year. And that whole journey will take him eight to 10 months, which is so exciting. He will be stopping to engage with the communities and first responders along the way, all the way across the country. So check out his page, check out the cause, donate if you can, show your support. This is such an incredible, incredible campaign. In this week's episode, I get to talk to Chad about his own experiences with PTSD, from being in the RCMP, Highway Patrol, and as a peace officer, and kind of how C2C for PTSD came about. We get to discuss some of his triggers, how he handles it, what he goes through on a daily basis, as well as some of the stigmas around mental health, PTSD, and men showing their emotions and their struggles. So I hope you guys love this episode just as much as I did. Show Chad some support and enjoy. I'm excited for an in-person interview. <laughs> I never get to talk to people face to face. It's all this damn COVID stuff. Right? It's nice to meet you though. Thank you. Nice to meet you. I love following your your page. It's uh it's very interesting to me, very enlightening. Really? Because like, I don't know a lot about PTSD and what you guys go through. Like I have my own mental health struggles, but right. Um, obviously not the same. So hey, it's very you know what? Mental health is mental health. Yeah. And we, we all go through different things and have different challenges. So it's, um, you know, I don't, I don't isolate things and say, well, I've got PTS and somebody else has anxiety disorder. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, there's a separation between us. It's, um, you know, we, t- we got to take care of each other and uh, mental health, unfortunately, yeah. um, it's not something they teach us in, in elementary school on no. how to check things and ask for help, right? Exactly, exactly. And I think a lot of it, like, overlaps depending on kind of what you're struggling with. Sure does. So, yeah, I think yeah. we can relate. I live lot. with anxiety, a lot of it. So, yeah, it's part and parcel. I was talking to somebody, I think, the other day, and they had really bad anxiety, and I don't get much anxiety, but... The similarities between like what we go through and how we like our struggles, it, it was crazy. Yeah, we can, we can all relate. The same thing. Just start calling them challenges <laughs> versus struggles. Yeah. And, but it's, um, you know what, what you're doing is, is fantastic. And um, you know, the whole stomp the stigma is, uh, is pretty wild. So good on you. And, and thank you for following what I do because you, you never know. You just don't know who follows what and and if the message is getting out. So thanks for that. Let's start with what you're doing. So I don't really know anything about your story or your journey with PTSD, but you started this movement called C2C for PTSD and you're walking from, well, from C to C basically. Yes. Um, how far is that? Uh, it's, geez, about 7,000 kilometers, give or take. So... Like, why are you doing something so big? Uh, I just felt that, um, you know, it, it's a great question. You can always opt to fly, drive, take a train, ride a bicycle, um, or run. Um, I, I felt by walking across the country, mm-hmm. um, it would allow me to engage 
individuals at a at a human pace, which is, you know, that that walking pace where we can stop and smell the flowers or you have time for a high five or have a conversation with somebody um, driving from community to community. Um, sure, there's the engagement, but it's to me, it, it's not um, 100% human. We were dropped off here to, to walk, um, perhaps run. My legs and back don't allow me to run anymore. But yeah, I, I just thought it'd be a great way, A, to see the country, B, uh, for my self-healing yeah. um, with my post-traumatic stress, and, and C, just uh, engage with other human beings. I like that. I like that a lot. And just being able to interact with, I guess, people across the country rather than if you were doing, say, a 10K walk or something right here. Right. Then you would only interact with people That's right. here. And, and people should know, um, if they don't already, a lot of times we feel very alone with our, our post-traumatic stress, whether we've isolated ourselves or we feel that others have isolated us or... or removed us from their circle so it's you know it's not just a calgary thing it's not an alberta thing it's you know it's it's not just a canada thing and i i find through um people that are following um our cause on on social media it's international it's um you know there's canada the u.s and eight other countries where people are following what we're doing with the c2c movement so it's it's kind of cool but there, there's no borders, um, post-traumatic stress, any any mental injury or illness, there's no borders. Yeah. We're all just human beings. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> That's so true. Like, we don't have to be able to communicate or talk to each other, but we can still understand, like, what each other is going through. Exactly. Through the same things. Exactly. It's like an international language, um, I guess. Um, it's... Uh, you, when you battle with with mental injuries, there's no there's no language, human language. I find that you can associate to what is going on in yeah. our heads. Yeah. Um, so to to you know, if we can put a face, uh, a human face to it, it's just basically human beings looking in the mirror and saying, "This is what mental health looks like. This is what it's all about. It's a human thing." Mm-hmm. So you're. Are you raising money or are you just raising awareness? Um, so the, the primary goal is to raise awareness um, yeah. and, and get people starting conversations about mental health. Um, for me, it's representing emergency services and the military communities, but just starting a conversation. And any funds that we do raise um, as we cross the country will go right back into helping those people who need help the most. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's just a, a way to help others. Um, we, we all know that financially um, a lot of extra care outside of the mental health world costs money yeah. um, and our benefits and our governments aren't covering what we actually need. Um, everybody just assumes it's, uh, you know, we need a psychologist, psychiatrist, occupational therapist, but at the end of the day, it might be something as simple as just getting to the outdoors and disconnecting mm-hmm. from what's going on around us yeah. and, and reconnecting with, with uh, Mother Nature. Or it's, it's hanging out with the horses, the equine therapy, or um, hanging out with puppy dogs. You know, it's, uh, it's costs that uh, are over and above what benefits do for us. Um, so really, it's... Yeah, it's it's a way to raise some funds and help those who who might not be able to afford what we actually need in life. So when when are you starting? Um, so the 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 big walk yeah. uh, is April second, twenty twenty two. We'll step off in Vancouver, um, and then make our way to St. John's, Newfoundland. And we've given ourselves that eight to ten month window. Um, as we'll be operating like a business, it'll be walking eight hours a day, Monday to Friday, Fridays with all hope, um, we'll be entering communities where we can hook up with the, uh, emergency service folks or military personnel or veterans and just, you know, have a conversation and just start talking, um, to one another and communicating what our, our challenges are mm-hmm. and not be afraid to share those stories. So it's, uh, yeah, it's 
it's going to be an adventure. Um, I'm really stoked. And this coming up Monday, the 13th, um, we'll start our Alberta walk from the BC border to Saskatchewan border. And that'll take, I'm hoping 10 days. Um, but it's basically just a, a prelim walk, a practice walk, if you will, um, to see what kind of problems we'll encounter when we do the whole country. Mm-hmm. Are you planning on doing a practice for each province? Or just- no, I, 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 wish <laughs> I, I wish I had the time to do it. No, this will just be the Alberta leg. Yeah, being as Alberta is home base and, um, and the support we have here um, w- with friends, followers, um and and the mental health advocates that we have here in alberta it's just figured this would be a great place to to fly the colors and and get the support of the rest of the province behind us oh absolutely yeah so you have your your route all planned out for the big walk yeah for the most part from i i guaranteed from vancouver to ontario um from ontario east um our logistics team is working on finalizing finalizing that route wow. so it's it's like a surprise yeah yeah i like surprises <laughs> how far will you go each day uh the goal is um 40 kilometers a day um obviously we'll face challenges uh, especially coming through the rocky mountains where there's a lot of steep inclines and and the weather we're going to face and the weather challenges you know that can hit us in any province at any time. So the, the goal is 40 kilometers a day um, mm-hmm. for the, the mountainous parts. I, 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 I would hope at least 25 kilometers a day, but at the end of the, you know, the end of the, the walking week, um, we're, we're hoping at least 200 kilometers a week. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do that for eight or 10 months. That's, that's we get our down days on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. We'll rest in recovery. Yeah. So that's going to require a lot of training. Uh, I've been doing a lot of training. Um, When did you start? I announced C2C for PTSD back in August of last summer, I think August 5th. And then August 9th, I I finally got my ass off the couch and and grabbed a a brand new pair of sneakers and went for my first walk. So now I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm... out there at least five days a week, yeah. putting on kilometers and getting used to it. And so far, so good. Um, no injuries. I've had, I've had my battles with blisters and, and, um, oh, yeah. um, but it, it's finding the, you know, the right tools, um, to do the walk. So a lot of K tape, um, finding the right insoles for shoes, finding the right shoes and, yeah. uh, so I, I think I've got the, the blister battle beat. I've got the footwear that I want. And I'm, I'm actually in the process of, of breaking in um, two pairs of shoes now for the Alberta walk. So yeah, it's, you know, it's just a walk. It's just a walk. <laughs> it just seems like a lot, but I put my earbuds in yeah. and get out to, you know, the river Valley through Calgary and, and just go for a walk. So for training, like, is it just walking that you're doing? Uh, I do um, core core body exercises. Yeah. Um, you know, strengthen my my core and my back, mm-hmm. um, and then with that, a lot of stretches. I'm getting to the point in life where um, uh, you know, going to the gym just not my thing anymore. Um, and I, I think I've earned that. It's it's <laughs> not about going to the gym. It's it's trying to keep everything as normal as possible. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm just a guy. And, and as a guy outside of my exercising, there's the couch potato time, there's enjoying rum, beer, but it's, it's just keeping everything casual, I think, um, would be the best way to put it. I'm not out there to be, um, Superman. I'm just a guy out for a walk. Yeah. I love that. Keep it simple. Well, yeah. You are like everyone else. You're just a guy. Just a guy. Just a human being with yeah. a challenge. Mm-hmm. I do want to get into like why why you started this in the first place or why you're why you're doing it. Sure. Um, uh, I'll go right back to the beginning. I'm uh, a member of the Alberta Sheriff Highway Patrol. Um, I have been with the Highway Patrol since 2008. 
Prior to that, I spent a couple of years as community peace officer in Fort McMurray. Um, and along with that, a lot of that same time, I was an auxiliary member with the RCMP. 2018, I realized that uh, things weren't so right in my head. There was a lot of, of anxiety, um, a bit of depression, um, fight or flight. And I finally reached out to my doctor for help. Um, like most of us, we, we, we know that that initial reaching out for help is, is the biggest and hardest step we can take. My, my family doctor was really awesome with contacting Alberta Mental Health on my behalf. And from there, I went, um, went to see a psychiatrist and then was scheduled to see a psychologist. The downside with my psychologist um, at that time he didn't understand what first responders or emergency service people encounter and went through. So it was nothing to do with accumulated trauma that I'd, I'd been exposed to for, geez, I guess 14 years of just seeing absolute shit and horror and not knowing how to deal with it. Um, so being diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, the help that I was hoping to get wasn't there. And like so many of us, I, I walked away from my sessions with my psychologist because I felt it was um, not helping. And it was, mm -hmm. it was bringing up issues that had nothing to do with why I was there. So what I relied on as a crutch for, for the next few years was, was medication, which I'm, I'm still on today. Kept that fight or flight in check. Um, kept my mood in a in a a little more positive place, I guess. Um, and then 2020, July 18th of last year, um, I was working with uh, five other law enforcement members, just the north end of Banff National Park, uh, almost at the ice fields. We were doing uh, an operation there, and uh, one of the big fancy buses that drives up to the uh, the ice fields at the Columbia ice fields in Jasper national park, uh, went off a cliff and just by chance we had heard over the radio, what was going on. And we ended up going to a, a mass casualty slash fatal, um, bus rollover. Uh, so you've got six law enforcement type individuals who have, you know, their, their first aid and CPR and little tiny, first aid kits in our patrol cars. And here we are tasked with creating, uh, uh, what are they called? Anyways, it'll come to me. Anyways, we're tasked with doing all these things at this, at this carnage that um, was outside of the scope of what we normally deal with. It wasn't a normal crash. Um, we didn't have the fire rescue guys. We didn't have paramedics. We didn't have EMTs though. There were people at the ice fields that were, you know, off-duty nurses, off-duty paramedics, volunteer search and rescue people, but we didn't have the equipment we needed to deal with such, such a huge event. Yeah. And, you know, everything's an hour and 20 minutes away from, from the Columbia ice fields, whether people are coming from Rocky Mountain House, um, Lake Louise or Jasper, um, we're, we're just really feeling helpless. Anyways, after that incident, uh, a couple weeks later, um, having to cope with this new trauma in my life, I had a whole bunch of things going on upstairs in the head, and I, I couldn't put a human language to it. It was uh, a lot of anger, fear, sadness. It, it was everything. I, I was an emotional wreck. So it, without having anybody to to really talk to, I, I, you know, I reached out on social media for, for help. I, and weird that, um, I reached out on social media cause it, it's, it's not the norm, but, mm -hmm. um, belonging to a, a first responders group, maybe somebody out there would understand what I was going through. Um, and, and you know what, the response to my story was amazing. My, my messenger on my phone kept going off and off and, I, like I couldn't keep up with, with what was going on. Um, an individual did reach out to me uh, and, and 
I, for the lack of better terms, saved me. And I, I thought, man, here's this stranger um, that's stepping up to the plate, reaching out and offering me help. How can I do that for somebody that is lost and needs help? Yeah. So one of those just one of those moments in life that um, I said, you know, of, of all the, the reading I've done on post-traumatic stress, all the great advocates out there, I, I think something more needs to be done. And, and I voted myself to, uh, to walk across the country and, and just say, hey, guys, girls, brothers, sisters, we're, we're, we're not alone. Um, so that was genuinely shot out on, on social media saying, Hey, who's interested in doing this walk? Let's call it C2C for PTSD. And, um, from there it started. So it's one of those things I, you know, I could have retracted that statement on social media. Um, and, and here we are today. I left it. Um, I've got a great team built up across the country that are working for, you know, the sponsorship team. I've got the logistics team. I've got everybody in between um, people who are helping out in every aspect and, and the people that will uh, accompany me across the country. So it's, uh, you know, from something so bad came something so good. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I, I must say, after um, being saved, stuff still wasn't right in my head. And um, I, I started avoiding um, motor vehicle collisions. Um, I started avoiding busy highways. I asked for a transfer out of the Bow Valley Parkway to High River um, because I thought what I was going through was just complacency and I didn't feel safe anymore. Um, But the, you know, the ship kept going on in, in High River area where I was avoiding patrolling Highway 22 and patrolling highway two, because that is where bad stuff is going to happen. And, um, you know, even though I, I, I got voted onto the, the, the PTS advocacy Island, um, I still didn't know how to self-advocate, um, which is, you know, weird because I can, I can push people to ask for help, reach out for help, take my hand. I'll, I'll get them help. Yet. I, I couldn't take care of myself. So, um, my sergeant, great friend of mine, I've known him forever, um, actually told me to go see my doctor. So I went to see my doctor again, and that was February 4th. Uh, right away, he, he said, I'm taking you out of that environment. You've got things going on in your life that you, you know have to deal with. You still haven't dealt with the bus crash. So... Um, here I am now, I never thought that, that I would be going through the, um, the WCB process, um, which I, you know what, WCB, WCB has been fantastic. My caseworker is awesome. I've got an awesome family doctor, an awesome psychologist, awesome occupational therapist. So now I'm going through the process that, uh, I, I never would have imagined. But yeah, it's it's steering me into that the a better place. You know, the tools I have now to push forward in a positive light. Um, you know, you, you those who follow me on social media, there's there's not a whole lot of negativity. I find something, um, you know, a quote or a picture that's going to inspire me for the day and allow me to set goals, be thankful, forgive somebody or myself. And, um, and just push forward in a positive light. It's, um, you know, one of those unique challenges where the challenge is to get off the couch or out of the bed every day. And, yeah. and you know, what, what can I do that's going to be great? You know, a lot of walks always great. It, it gets me into that clear headspace, finding a quote uh, on the Google that, that fits with what I'm going through or what I want to achieve. So Mm -hmm. I've taken everything bad and, and and put a positive spin on it. Um, I, I and just, just so I can try and inspire that one person that needs that for the day and, and hopefully push them in a positive direction versus, you know, let's get under the weighted blanket and chow down on nachos and watch young and the restless. It's, you know, let's, let's get out there and be active. 
yeah, it's uh, it's been a very interesting journey for me, um, but but you know one that I'm excited about. Um, I signed up a long time ago to help other human beings, and um, you know you you pull me out of the uniform and and out of a patrol car, um, and I'm just that person. I'm I'm yeah. out wanting to help others. Yeah, that's a crazy story. That's a, an amazing story. That makes me so happy. <laughs> It makes me so happy to hear that you're doing better and finding the positivity in everything. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it, it, the one thing that, um, you know, I remind people, if, if that initial help you feel isn't there for you, mm-hmm. keep asking for it, keep reaching out for it. And if it doesn't happen the first time, it's going to happen. Um, the right fit will come but don't stay with the wrong fit just for the sake of having a fit, right? It's like wearing a pair of jeans that are four times too small. It's, it's not comfortable and it's going to put you into a, a bad place and, you know, reaching out, um, even if it is social media, there's so many, um, advocates out there or so many resources that will help you find that help. Um, and you'll find your fit. So just, you know, keep pushing forward. Um, reach out to me, reach out to you, stomp the stigma and see the sea. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll scare you in the right direction. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the hardest part is finding a therapist or finding what works for you and what helps you um, in the way that you need. Because so many times, yeah, you can hook up with, a therapist but maybe they don't understand what you're going through or how to help you in whatever way that you need i think that's the hardest part but the online community that is out there there are so many resources and yes sir and, so many and people to help you you know ask that question without you don't have to share your story with anybody but if you, you know you're in the whatever space you're in um emotionally what is the best fit for you if you're if you're you know a veteran with the armed forces or with the royal canadian mounted police reach out to veteran affairs and and talk to them for for the rest of us you know in the emergency service world send an email to um wcb without you you know don't have to put in a claim but if you get the the mental health department you're asking for a psychologist or psychiatrist that can deal with first responders. Um, It's amazing. We we have these tools um, with with the internet now that everything's, you know, right at our fingertip. And if if you're not sure, then then reach out to one of us um, and we'll help you out. Do you know kind of how your PTSD developed? Um, So dealing with the, the great folks I'm dealing with now, a lot of it was uh, accumulated post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Um, all the shit that I've bottled up over, oh, how many years? That would be the start. We're, we're working through exposure therapy. Um, we're still trying to nail down what was the major factor. And we just know like there's a whole bunch of events. And when I think that a, that all those events are the ones that have bothered me. Then another event pops up and then it'll trigger another one. It's like, Oh yeah, man, I dealt with this. Um, the bus crash last year, um, I, I truly believed was, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Um, I, I kept going to work. Now I've got to ask myself, um, there was a, a collision in December, um, I, I, I was literally 15 seconds away from, um, and I avoided it. Um, I avoided it like the plague. Uh, there were other members that were racing to attend it. Um, there was a conservation officer on scene and I just ignored it. And then finally, you know, the, the, my conscience took over and said, dude, you should, you should go to this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I attended, but I, I, you know, I froze on scene. So was it the bus crash or was it mm-hmm. um, this collision that I avoided that that sort of 
scared me from from suiting up and hitting the highway. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'll ever know. But it's that that question that keeps going on in my head. What did it to me? Yeah. Do you think you'll be back out there again? Uh, that I don't know. Um, Would you like to? Yes and no. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy dealing with people. I enjoy helping people, but I don't, I don't want to get better. Um, just so I can go back to where I'm at now. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, it's, you know, quite the same as somebody breaks their femur. Um, well, heck, you don't want to heal and go through all the stuff you have to heal with to, to make your femur better. Mm-hmm. Just to go back out there and snap your femur again. It's, so that's the way I look at it. Um, I, I'm, I told myself at the beginning of all this, this process back in February, if, if I didn't go back to work as a member of the highway patrol, I'm okay with that. I just wanted to be just okay with it at the beginning because I didn't want a doctor or WCB saying you can't go back to work in this capacity. So I had to be all right with it. And, and quite frankly, I am all right with it. Um, I don't know where my career is going to go after, after I walk across the country. I, I really don't know. But no, I don't want to go back. I don't want to see any more <laughs> bad stuff. I've seen enough bad stuff. Yeah. Was there like kind of a low point for you when you realized like, okay, something is really wrong and I need help or a low point where you kind of, decided that you weren't going to let your illnesses define who you are or define your life? Oh, geez. So low, low point, low point has been haunting me for a lot of years. Um, I was avoiding people. Um, I, I guess, you know, we, a lot of times we feel so alone. We're, we're, we have a, a tight circle. But even with that tight circle, you feel alone. I keep trying to process, is it because I chose to be alone and I push people away mm-hmm. and I don't reach out to them? Or is it everybody has pushed me away because I'm in such a dark place? So, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of lows. And I, I, I find with what I'm going through now and, um, you know, my walking and, and promoting positivity um, it lifts me out of that that low stuff. But towards the end of you know, up until February, I was probably in the lowest of low. I call myself a, a closet coward. Um, I've never I've never thought of suicide, um, but I can tell you there are plenty of times where I've sat and thought about, geez. How bad would it be if if I was hit by a vehicle while standing on the side of the road? How bad would it be if you know there's the the death scenarios and you think, man, would the world be a better place without me? Um, I don't feel loved, and probably because I didn't love myself. Thankfully, I, I you know was never that that guy that could pull the trigger or jump off a bridge myself. So yeah, the lows. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've 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 been through those, and um, it's been a long time since I've had that type of feeling. Um, thankfully, much better place now. Mm-hmm. I'm the exact same way. I think about death, I guess, a lot, and like what would happen if I just crossed the center line and drove into oncoming traffic, or all of these different scenarios, and what would happen. Would it really make a difference if something happened to me? But yes, never been quite to that point right. where I'm like ready to to pull the trigger. I think yeah. when you know when we're in those low places is um, we don't stop to realize that if if we're not here tomorrow, yeah. how many other lives we impact? You know, our, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our friends. We have such a huge, you know, it, it's like an upside down pyramid. Like yeah. we're up here um, and, and, you know, geez, we have how many hundreds of people that yeah. that, that would affect. And I think that's, that's what, what stops me is man, I'm loved and, and people do give a shit. Um, people do care mm-hmm. and I want to help people. I don't want to hurt people. Yeah. So, and um, yeah. you know, a, an old friend of mine once said that um, 
life is forgiving, not for taking. So you can spin that around to yourself or, you know, war scenarios, but, you know, we're here to give, you know, so enjoy life, give back to others and um, let's not be taking stuff away from, from others. Man, I'm fucked up enough. I don't need to fuck up anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that for sure. So for people that I guess don't really know much about PTSD or how it affects your everyday life, what does that look like for you? Oh, to me, um, I'm, yeah. Do you well, feel it every single day? I do feel it every single day. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, the, the tools that I've, I've been given to use that um, put me in a calm place. And, and believe me, every day, um, it's a challenge to get out of bed. It's, I think most people that go through that depressive state or, or go through depression, um, or even anxiety. Jeez, with anxiety, I'd rather not be in Safeway getting groceries. I'd never, I, oh man, Costco. Costco blows my mind. Um, but, you, you know, with anxiety, staying away from busy places, with, with depression, um, I'd much rather just lay on the couch, eat my Doritos and drink beer or rum, you know. But it's, like I say, uh, finding the positives, and I search for it, I, man, my routine, um, every day, my eyes open, generally speaking, I, I don't set an alarm. It's, I just let my body say, Hey, it's time to wake up. So I lay in bed. I do a body scan. I do some breathing exercises, get up, hit brew on the coffee pot, um, play candy crush, believe it or not, candy crush, jelly, candy crush, soda, <laughs> candy crush. I, play it all just for it's that uh, a tool I've used even longer than being diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. That's my quiet time in the morning. Um, and then from there it's searching, um, for that, that one inspirational quote or motivational quote, that's going to allow me to carry on with my day and go put on my walking shoes and get dressed and shave I know it doesn't look like I should. I'm having fun with the facial hair right now, but it, it, you know, and go for my walk and then worry about any chores that I have to do, whether it's tidying up my, my apartment or going grocery shopping or yeah. So post-traumatic stress for me is, is a very down thing and it sucks, but pull the good out of it and, um, you know, share a story and, and try to inspire others just to start talking. Um, yeah, so that's, I, I don't know if that really answers the question on what post-traumatic stress is to me, but it's a lot of anxiety and depression and, and try to keep myself mentally busy. So I'm not dwelling on the reason why I'm where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get flashbacks to the events that you've, you've seen? Yes, I do. Yeah. There'll be, you know, just, just random triggers. I could be driving down the road or what? doing a walk and uh, somebody's face or a sound or a smell yeah. will send me back to, uh, to a scene. Um, nighttime, thankfully, I'm, I'm on a, a medication that blocks out the, uh, the nightmare um, aspect of things. So I, I'm not getting the, um, the night terrors from waking up with the sweats and a racing heartbeat. Uh, I think in the last, since February, I've had one one nightmare where I woke up. Um, and, and if you've ever dealt with it, you, you know, that waking up to soaking wet sheets and pillow is the, the worst thing to wake up to. Um, so yeah, knock on wood. I've only had one episode in, in however many months. So yeah, the, I, thankfully I, I'm getting pretty good sleeps, but yeah, it, flashbacks, um, triggers happens quite often. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you know what your triggers are. Uh, like I say, it could be seeing somebody's face. Um, yeah. A lot of times uh, a smell will, um, will trigger something, um, whether it reminds me of um, death or the smell of blood or being at a, a collision scene in the wintertime where um, it's cold and you can smell diesel fuel from a crash. 
yeah, it's it's a horrible thing, but uh, you know, our, our we'll smell, see, and and hear things in our careers that um, most people it's it's just a thing, a normal everyday thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's things that stick with us, and um, you know, might be a normal smell to you, but yeah. it it might just send me off to another place. Wow. So, are there things that you have to do differently? Every day compared to, I guess, the average person in order to manage that? Uh, It's knowing when to pull myself out of a situation. If I'm feeling anxious or angry, um, is just stepping, stepping back to where it might be a little more calm and, you know what, just take a few breaths and, and get back to the task at hand, which uh, fortunately, you know, the, the upside of COVID is uh things have been pretty quiet so going into Safeway hasn't been a battle it's uh there's a lot of space to move around and avoid avoid other people the you know rush hour traffic um in the city yeah I avoid it at all costs but there's times where I encounter it and there you know it's a lot of um just turning off the music in in my truck and just breathing and it's all right, man. It's just, yeah, I'm going to be two minutes behind what I normally would. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a lot of checking myself. Um, if I'm driving down the highway, um, and, and I find things are getting a little nuts for me, uh, I have no problem with just pulling off into a wide spot and, and just closing my eyes and, and breathing a bit, but everything else is, uh, I think I function <laughs> like I should. Yeah. But it's just knowing to pull yourself out of a, a yeah. situation or a bad environment. Yeah. So when you're when you're triggered or having a flashback or something like that, what helps you in that moment? Oh, a lot of times it's just stepping off to the side. When when I'm out for my walks, yeah. it, it's just stepping off to the side and and or sitting if I can find a bench or a log and and just taking a few breaths and. Um, you know, get myself back into play and listen to some good music yeah. and, and just carry on. But there's, uh, you know, times where it's, you know, a lot of times where I, I just start crying. It's, and it's, you know what, it's okay to cry. It's, it's my body's way of expelling that bad energy and, and where I might not have cried about something 15 years ago when that situation comes back to mind now, I'll cry about it. Kind of weird how the brain works and stores things yeah. in a in a filing cabinet. I like that you're so open about your struggles or or kind of what you go through because I think, especially for men, there's such a stigma around showing emotions and and showing that vulnerable side. Yeah, we've like evolved. Um, society has sort of pushed us into. Um, you know, if you cry or if you show emotion for a certain event, you're weak and you're, um, let me be the one to, to say it. I'm sure others have said it, but man, it takes more strength. Um, it makes you a stronger person to, to stand up and talk about your challenges than to hide it and, and, and I, I guess be afraid of what others are going to think of you. And, you know, I, I just, with, with my circle of friends um, and the conversations that I've struck up, uh, I tell you, it's, it's like 10% of, of the people that you talk to turn their back and walk the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might make comments behind your back. And, and you know what? For that 10%, you, you question, were they ever really a friend? How close are they? And then you remind them, you know what, man? When you hit your darkest hour, I'm going to be right here to help you out. And you know what? That's people. And, and if, we, if we can just get rid of that nonsense that, that we have to worry about what others think about us, to me, it's, to me, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it took a lot of practice and a lot of work, but I figured, man, what have I got to lose? I'm going to talk about what's going on. And, and just in that, that hope that I'm going to inspire one other person to join that conversation. Yeah. And then wham. Wow, it's amazing how many people will actually jump into that conversation 
and and talk about things that they haven't talked about ever mm-hmm. um, in their career or in life. And all of a sudden they feel better. Man, I've been harboring that inside for so long. So, you know, I really promote the fact that, that um, don't be ashamed of your story because you may inspire someone else. So um, if, if we can just get everybody talking about shit, who cares? Mm-hmm. Who cares what the next person thinks? But know that you're going to find out who your actual circle of friends yeah. is. Exactly. Talking about it is not going to make it worse. No. But you could help even just one person. And then that's right. It's so worth Mission it. accomplished. It's, you know, um, you, you, you wonder, it's the continuous thing. How do you ever measure on how many people have, have reached out because somebody shared their story? Yeah. You're never going to know. Yeah. Um, you, you hope it's just one. And if each person was able to inspire just one more person, before you know it, we're just going to um, break that that stigma cycle. That's such a horrible word, word. but, um, you know, it, it's got to be broken at some point. Yeah. yeah, I say the same thing about the podcast. Um, sometimes I don't know if I'm helping anybody, but if I can help just one person, then I think it's so worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just got to take care of each other. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess since you found this amazing supportive community, that's awesome. But has your post-traumatic stress affected any of your friendships or relationships at all? Uh, It has. Yes, it has. Um, It's affected a lot. And there's been a lot of of rebuilding um, friendships and relationships. I, I, you know, and it, it, it's there for the taking, um, you know, the people that I've isolated myself from, and I, you know, I put a lot of blame on myself, most of the blame on myself. I, I, you know, I, I forgive myself daily on the hurt that I've imposed amongst, you know, mm-hmm. friends and loved ones. So there's, there's the hard work that you've got to, you know, you've got to reach out to these people and, and have a conversation and then you wow you realize they didn't walk away from me you pushed them away um so that's where my self-forgiveness comes um and i i realized man forever in a day i i was trying to forgive everybody that wasn't there for me Mm -hmm. come back full circle and realize well they weren't there for me because i pushed them away so i was trying to forgive them when really i should have forgiven myself And then, you know, reach out and try and, and rebuild friendships. But, you know, as you're doing so, you you, you have to be open to, um, the like, the most brutal, honest truth that, yeah. that those friends are going to give you is, yeah. you know what, you were in such a dark place, man. You had me scared. You hurt me. You, you know, when you, when you have another human being, uh, a friend or a loved one saying, man, like, you hurt me. That there's no worse feeling in the world. It's not about hurting people. I'm about loving people. And uh, so that it sucks. But you know what? You allow them to be brutally honest with you. And, and from there, you accept that and you move on. And um, so thankfully, I've been able to rekindle relationships with those that I've, I've reached out to and apologized to. Um, and it's, it's, and then there's those that, you know what? I just, you're in a bad place. I don't need to be brought down um, until they get help. And, you know, a lot of those people, unfortunately, won't reach out for help because they're afraid to be judged. Right. So, you know, someday, someday I, I, you know, and I hope the best for them. Yeah. man, relationships. It's a, it's a weird thing. Um, But so easy for us to point blame at everybody but ourselves, right? Absolutely. Oh, that's a huge one. With my family, I grew up kind of in an environment where we never shared feelings. We never talked about anything. So having those brutal, honest conversations is not very common. Or it hasn't happened yet, I don't think. 
Uh, so definitely still working on that, but that's a big one. It is that's a big really one. good point. I like that. I guess looking back over this whole journey, is there any advice that you would give yourself even even just a year or two ago or any advice that you wish that somebody would have given you when you were first kind of um, take care of your um, your mental health uh, your emotional well-being yeah and if that was given to me geez even back in 1991 when I went through basic training with the armed forces if that was given to me back then it would have followed me yeah. through life it's funny you ask that not really funny rhetorically funny it's um so what i would like to see and, and what the campaign would like to see is um you know those of us that are getting into the emergency um emergency service world or the military community is before you give us a a, a damn pair of boots to shine or or clothes to iron or a freaking textbook give us two days of of mental health talk and and yeah. let us know here getting into this career what we are you know the true horrors of of what we may face and um post-traumatic stress is um is a reality um but if you give us the the coping tools before we go into training you think you know i College is a, another great example. You are stripped away from everything that you once knew. Your family might be a million miles away. Your comfort zone is a million miles away. You're throwing you're thrown into a, a class of, you know, 10, 10 people to 200 people, people that are strangers. So you've got your anxiety, your stress, um, and nobody's teaching us how to, to, you know, sit down and just, breathe you know before you go into class before you go into study before you you go to the shooting range uh, um or or your whatever you're getting into is just breathe calm yourself and then when you get into that stressful situation step back and breathe mm-hmm. and and those tools aren't given um I, I i think man where would i be now if mental health was a part of my my upbringing, uh, whether it's junior high school, high school, or right when I get into um, the military, even law enforcement, it's it's just something that everybody should should have. Like, what is five minutes of? I don't. I guess my breathing is a meditation. My walk is a meditation. But if we spent five minutes a day just thinking positive thoughts and pulling us ourselves out of reality, we're in a much better headspace. Yeah. Um, you know, we as first responders, um, emergency services, we're forever going lights and sirens and we're responding to other people's emergencies. And, and, you know, it sounds terrible to say on the outside world, uh, or you may interpret it as a bad thing, but we are driving crazy, jacked up on adrenaline to get to somebody else's emergency. We're not checking ourselves before we hop into the vehicle because a lot of times it's one bad scenario to another bad scenario to another. We're not taking that one minute of just breathing to get our mindset and our heart rate down, go deal with that situation, step back from it, do some breathing. And and you're always going to hear the excuse that I don't have time for that. I don't have, bro, sis, you have time for a one minute. (laughs) I just need to breathe. Um, you know, dealing with, uh, not dealing with talking with, with people who are, are paramedics and EMTs, um, they're so short staffed and the call volumes are so high and they'll be the first say, we don't have time. We don't uh, wait. You're at the hospital. You're transferring that patient into the doctors and nurses. Sorry, partner. I need to go to the washroom. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you have time to pee, you've got time to breathe and just check yeah. yourself yeah. and then check on your partner. Real partner, are you okay? Simple words to ask, right? And and a lot of yeah. times we'll open up, but you, you, we're always 
we're too busy. We're too busy. Well, unless my partner is in a, a serious, serious situation where I need to get there, I consider that my emergency, but everything else. Okay. Lights and sirens. I get it. We need to get there, but I need to get there safe. I need to have a clear conscience when I get there and I need to focus. Um, and then bring myself back down after that adrenaline drum uh, dump. So yeah, there's, uh, you know, it, there's so much out there and, and it, it's got to start when we enter training is just not too much to ask two days of mental health education and how to cope with, with situations, how to, how to deal with your partner and your partner to deal with you. And then once everybody has the same training, you give it a generation of emergency service people and military personnel. And all of a sudden we know how to take care of each other emotionally. It's not screw you. I'm going to throw you under the bus because I want to promote. It's, you know what? We just take care of people. So it doesn't matter what rank you are. I, as Chad should be able to, I should feel comfortable coming to talk to a, a, a superior or a supervisor mm-hmm. And, and not being afraid of being judged or punished because I hurt myself. Yeah, I think that's huge. Uh, education, even in school, I think should be, should be taught. Mental health should be taught in school. Like I, I've been struggling with BPD and depression since I was like nine. And I had no idea what was going on. And I only started understanding it fully maybe a year or two ago. So I think that would be huge teaching that in school, let alone first responder training. Yeah. I mean, both would be. Should, it, it should start in our school system. Yeah. Um, you know, why isn't it taught in kindergarten? You know, we would eliminate the bullying and then the, the bullying in, in, in schools, you know, the, the schools are standing up and saying, ah, we, we hate this bullying thing. We'll deal with it, but they don't deal with yeah. it. And then social media plays a part in it. And we've got these, you know, our youth that commit suicide because of this shit going on on social media. It's, it's harassment everywhere, but nobody's, nobody's being proactive. We're all being reactive. Um, it's like what I'm going through now, everything is reactive. You know, Chad got hurt. So now, you know, where this might've been prevented, way back when, if I was given the tools, that's the proactive, you know, it, not everything reactive and all these um, fantastic organizations that are um, either established or, or they're starting up to take care of the emergency service people and, and military folk and veterans um, like that. That's, it's, it's millions and millions and millions and across the country, billions of dollars of, of these setups to help us after the fact. Whereas shit, if, if somebody realized something was wrong with me back in 2018, why didn't um, a supervisor or manager pluck me out of that environment and say, you know what, we're going to send you to this place for a week just to, to, you know, check on you, get you to reset yourself disconnect from everything that's going on and, and let me talk to a psychologist instead. Well, he's here, he's at work, he's in his, in his uniform. He must be all right. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, you know, uh, being a, a, a guy on the inside and, and seeing how it operates. And then, you know, I, I'm on both sides of the fence. I'm thinking, wow, you know, if somebody had, giving me the tools. If somebody had been watching out for me. So the vision five to 10 years down the road, you as my partner out on the highway realize something's wrong. You know, you can already communicate with me, you, mm-hmm. you know, because we don't, yeah. there's no longer a stigma. Yeah. We just openly communicate, Chad, something's wrong with you. We're getting you help. We go see the sergeant. Yep. Out of here. Let's get you help. Mm-hmm. Not wait until, Geez, I'm at the point now in life. Did all this bad shit happen to me in the middle of my career or the end of my career? I don't have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's it's a messed up world. We just 
we, but we've got to be the change. Somebody has to be taking care of, um, even though I'm an old dog, these next generations of, of kids coming into reality. It's like, man, why we should be taking care of them now. So five to 10 years down the road, people are just taking care of each other. Oh, that would be amazing. It would be amazing. Dealing with it at the time versus waiting for it all to pile up and just, yep. I don't know, explode, I guess. That's right. So eliminate the, uh, you know, the, I, I call it an epidemic. We, we've mm -hmm. got um, all these suicides that happen um, because of mental health. Um, and so how many of them are preventable? Mm -hmm. I, I like to think they're all preventable, yeah. but how, we, we're too afraid to communicate. It's shitty. It's shitty. My heart bleeds. Oh, yeah. I want to go back to your Instagram page. C2C for PTSD. I love what you're doing. I think starting every post with I'm just a guy, I know we kind of touched on that already, but people forget that first responders and military and people in that kind of uh, profession, we see them as heroes, but they're also normal people. That's right. And I think we forget about that a lot. Yes, we do. Yeah. There's most of us, I, I, you know, that uniform is, is an extension of who we are. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I only say that, be, and you know, it's unfortunate because there are people that wear uniforms for other reasons. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. genuinely, most of us, it's, it's about helping other people. That's why we sign up. It's, uh, I can tell you, it's, it's definitely not for the paycheck. Yeah, um, what we face in the uniform um, you like to think when that uniform comes off, it just, uh, you know, the bad shit stays in the locker with her, with her shirt and her pants at the end of the day. And it doesn't, we're human beings. It, it, uh, that shit comes home with us. A lot of times it's really hard to check ourselves at the door, um, before bringing that, um, that through the door to friends or family. Yeah, we, we, when we call 911 and, and whether it's medical fire or police, you expect that person to show up in uniform and, and be tough and gung ho and, oh, yeah, I'm a hero. Um, but you, you have no idea what we've just, what we've dealt with three minutes before knocking mm -hmm. on your door, say, hey, we're here. Well, that's, you know, that really, that sucks that your child's bicycle got stolen. Um, here's my card. See you later. And you, how do you feel? You feel like, oh man, like that police person really didn't give a shit about what was going on. Yeah. Well, that police person might've just come from the most horrific thing they've ever witnessed. And instead of being plucked out of service after seeing such a thing, it's yeah. you're 12 seconds away from that address where that happens to so go deal with it and your call volume. And it's, you know, same as, as um, our, our fire our fire crews and paramedics and EMS or, or EMTs, we're, we're coming from something that is an emergency, um, though somebody else's emergency, but it's we live with that and we've got to continue working our shift. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's more to the system. But yeah, that uniform is just an extension of who we are. We're, we're human beings underneath that. So, you know, you can hate what you're being in or getting in trouble for by the police, but, uh, you know, the uniform is the representation. It's, um, don't take it out on the human. It's right. Got to dole out the punishment. It sucks, but you know, we're people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So if people have more questions for you or want to reach out or, or want to support you on this journey and on your big walk um what is the best way for people to do that? uh people can reach out to me on instagram and facebook uh c2c for ptsd um or check out the website um it's c2c for ptsd.ca or on linkedin under chad kennedy i just have one more question okay. that i ask everybody that comes on the podcast okay um, is there a stigma or a misconception surrounding mental health that bothers you the most? 
or that you hear most often that isn't true? Uh, geez, the, the, yeah, geez, that is a, that's, it's that's hard a, to narrow it down. It is. One, but. I think the, the, the most disappointing, um, upsetting thing that people can, can say about mental health period is that, that we're, um, useless or broken. Um, you know, there's words that, that surround mental health that, that, um, you know what, I just, I would never say, um, but there, I, I mean, the bad words that, yeah, it, it, it's a terrible thing. And, and to think that I'm, I'm broken or I've, I've got some disease, um, because I, I've got a, an invisible injury, um, yeah, it pisses me off. And I, I, I defend a, a lot of people. There's so many different mental illnesses and, and out of everybody's control. And for somebody to look at somebody and judge them based on on any type of injury just pisses me off. You know, we're, we're a functioning part of society. The reason why we have all these advocates for mental health is to try and reverse the damage that society has done to itself over the, the past three or 400 years. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's just start being people who, who cares, you know, do you, do we judge somebody because they're walking down the street with a cast on their leg? No, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a great story, a horrible story or a stupid story because they were drunk and dumb. Um, there's a story associated to a broken leg. It's no different than me having uh, a post-traumatic stress injury. I've got a story to share. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm not going to get into the horrific details um, because I don't enjoy reliving it. Um, but it's, you know, it's a story nonetheless. And, there, yeah, there's probably some stupid stories in there as well that we can share a laugh over. But for, for what I've gone through in trauma, um, you know, I don't think anybody needs to ever hear that. You know, I, I, I challenge anybody. You ask me about the best calls I've gone to, and I'll tell you about the best calls or the best interactions I've had. Don't ever ask me about my worst call because, you know, it's, uh, it's not fair to us. And it's stuff mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. um, you know, as much as we can give the, the basic details, a lot of what we face, um, there's a lot of personal stuff that's involved with that, right? Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. You can contact me on Instagram and Facebook at StompTheStigmaYYC, and you can email me at StompTheStigmaYYC at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. And if you or someone you know would like to come on, I would love to have you share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.